You're listening to episode 9 of the Herd of Turtles podcast. Time will take you and fade you in the new sun. See the colors run, come out of the water. And I will fake it until I make it. Pockets pulled and hanging out, walking like a washing machine. I got my stitches Hey guys, out. welcome back to the Herd of Turtles podcast. I am your host, Brent Kreiso. And I'd like to send a special thank you out to my oldest son, Max, for giving that nice little intro at the very beginning of the show. Today's show is going to be a little different. Usually what I've been doing is I've been interviewing different people who are doing something really cool that I find inspiring or very interesting. But today's show is going to be me talking about experiences that I've had uh, over the last week that are um, touch upon the importance of life and kind of the idea of closing up loose ends. And they both are centered around the end of life, around death. It's not not in a morbid sense, but the events and things that are learned by that. And hopefully you'll find them useful and just a quick message for you to take away with you. Uh, The first one about almost 10 days ago now uh, involves an episode that happened on the lake that I live on up here in central Maine on Great Pond. Great Pond is the setting for the play and the story on Golden Pond. If you, any of you are old enough to remember that movie starring uh, um, Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn, uh, the gentleman who wrote that story, uh, I believe at least spends time summers up here, if not lives here year-round. Um, but uh, that's the setting. Um, if you can envision that lake, even though it was filmed in New Hampshire, that's the kind of setting that I live on up here in Maine. So what happened was I got a call from my mother-in-law saying that she heard on the uh, volunteer Belgrade Fire and Rescue Scanner network that there was a unmanned boat or a boat just going around in the circle in the cove uh, that I live on. It's a large cove, and she wanted to make sure that we weren't out on the boat. My sons and I weren't out on our boat having an issue, and I said, no, we weren't. I was a couple minutes away from the house, but I said I would check it out once I got to my house. Well, by the time I got to my house, there was a Belgrade Fire and Rescue uh, officer, um, volunteer here, ready to launch his boat. We've got a small boat launch uh, along our shoreline, and he was told that he, uh, by my father-in-law that he could come launch his boat here. Uh, and so I told him I would assist him in doing that, uh, and that my father-in-law was on his way here. By the time we walked down to the shoreline and I got it prepped to have him come in, uh, my father-in-law came here and we walked out to the shore and looked out and saw the boat circling out in the water a little ways away, but we could see it. Uh, we didn't couldn't tell if the boat was anchored and it was just sent circling around an anchor point or what was going on. But I suggested to my father-in-law that instead of having them go through the effort of launching a boat that we always just use our boat, which is in a boat lift here on shore and ready to go. And he thought that was a great idea. So he asked for me to get the boat prepped why they, uh, he would go let the man trying to back the boat up know that we had a boat accessible and we could use ours. I went down and was lowering the boat into the water off the boat lift, and you have to do that. It's much easier if you're standing in the boat. And I, as I was doing that, I got the boat turned on and had it beginning to warm up. 
and the gentleman came down along with my father-in-law and got in the boat and I didn't know who was going to be driving, what was expected, if they were expecting me to drive the boat or what have you. But uh, my father-in-law grabbed the steering wheel and I was kind of forced to the wrong, the opposite side of the boat and we started backing away and I had no intention of being part of this operation, not knowing what I was getting myself signed up for. But in any case, uh, the boat started backing up and just as we were clear, two main state game wardens came running in. Now, game wardens are kind of the law enforcement. Uh, um, they, they serve as law enforcement officers. We have state police and, and sheriff's department around, but they also enforce the state laws. And they came running up off the onto the dock saying, hold up, hold up. And they jumped in the boat and we sped off towards the boat. And I was looking at everyone else seeming to have a purpose there except for me. And I was just kind of along for the ride. Well, we got out to the boat and saw it circling around. There was no one in it. It was, at that time, it was like, uh-oh, what do we do? Because there's no good way to stop a boat that is traveling at rate of speed without someone on it. It's difficult to, uh, you can't just have it slow down um, as the throttle stuck in a forward position. So it just was keep circling. And it was kind of a scene out of a movie. Here was this unmanned boat and... The plan was to try to prop foul the boat. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's have the boat run over a section of rope. The rope will spin around the propeller and bind the engine and bring the boat to a stop. Well, that's easier if it's running in a straight line, but as it's moving in a circle, we were trying to get the boat to run over uh, the rope. It was difficult, took several tries, and we were unsuccessful. After three tries and three boat ropes that were being dragged by the boat, none of them got caught up in the prop. It was at this time another Belgrade uh, um, fire and rescue boat came, a small little fiberglass boat, came with two gentlemen on it, and the game wardens ex- uh, exchanged places with them, and they went alongside, they were circling the boat, and one of the game wardens eventually jumped from that small Boston Whaler fiberglass boat into the unmanned boat. It was really an incredible feat. And it's one of those things where as it's happening, you're, you're so focused on the goal and we were watching him. But it was an extremely dangerous situation. If he hadn't missed, if the boats had bumped into each other and pulled away, he could have been crushed in between if he had gotten caught when they hit or if he slipped jumping from one to the other or they bumped and started going apart he might not have made it and if he had gotten run over by that unmanned boat chances are he would have had some really good injuries from the engine running over him so it was an incredibly dangerous thing but there was no way no other way to stop the boat once that happened the realization came in that someone was had been on this boat or maybe the realization was always there, but now it's like, okay, what happened to the gentleman or, or female who had been on this boat? We had found out by talking to the fishermen on the boat who had called it in where the boat was first originally spotted once it began, when it, they saw it making the loop. So after we left the game wardens in the unmanned boat, we went over and decided to help with the search to try to find the occupant of the boat. If they were floating in the water with a life jacket, if they were uh, on shore after they had swam on shore, we weren't didn't know what the disposition was. 
But we went over and started looking off one of the points to see if we could find any evidence. Unfortunately, after just a couple minutes of looking, we found the gentleman who had been in the boat floating face down in the water. He had died. It was just a surreal moment when we came across the body floating there. We were hoping that we were going to find, as I said, someone sitting on the shore waving us down or trying to get to shore in a life jacket. And instead, instead we found uh, the man floating face down. He wasn't wearing a life jacket. Unfortunately, he didn't have his safety clip uh, attached to him that would have killed the engine on his fishing boat. So when he went overboard, the boat just kept going. It was at this time that the game wardens were beginning to take this man's boat back to the boat launch. We waved them over, and they came over, and uh, they began to take control of the situation. He, he was a large enough man, and there was no way to bring him up into into the boat. They had to. Um, uh, they wanted to keep him from floating away, so they just grabbed his belt and tied a rope through it so that they could go ashore, gently ashore, and then wait for a board, a backboard, and a body bag to be brought to them so they can uh, continue getting the body to where it needed to go. It was just a tragic situation. It wasn't as eerie as I expected it to be, but it was just very sad. And quickly, I just had a lot of thoughts go through my head. One is that he didn't have any safety equipment, as as I already mentioned, but and we don't know if that would have saved his life if he had a medical event that would have um, precluded him from surviving. But I do know this. He didn't have a chance once he went over without a life jacket on. If he was incapacitated at all, then that was uh, the end of him. When the game wardens grabbed his belt to tie him up, it really brought home the fact that, for me, the first thought that went through my head was that you know, when he got dressed that day, he didn't think it would be the last time that he was getting dressed. When he was putting the belt through those belt loops, he didn't think that he would be gone in a couple hours. Another kind of one of those morbid humor type thing. My mom always told me as a kid growing up to never wear any socks with holes because you didn't know when you would be taken to the hospital. And she didn't want to be embarrassed by having a son have holy socks on. And I just thought about that with him. I was like, I wonder if he has any holes in his socks. Uh, But in any case, it it just, it got me wondering whether he was a good guy and that if he was going to be missed or if he was a guy that people wouldn't miss and that he was a cantankerous old man and no one really wanted him around. I've since found out through several mutual friends that, uh, that, knew him, that he was a good guy. He was very friendly, very helpful, and just, uh, he was an auto mechanic, very good auto mechanic, and just well-liked by those who knew him. So it's really a loss for the community. Later that evening, as I was recounting the day's events to my wife, I was telling her that I was wondering if he had any unfinished business, if he had things that he wanted to say to his wife or if he had any children, and if there were things that he always wanted to say to them, but he didn't, or if he had any friends that he wanted to express some sentiment to. But he didn't, because he felt like there would always be more time. And my wife said something that really hit home to me, and I was thinking about from his perspective outward. And she 
said to me that maybe there might be people in his life, wife, kids, or friends, or those around him, who wanted to say something to him that they always wanted to, but they always held back because they always felt there'd be a better time or more time, but they didn't, and now those opportunities are gone. It really brought home that you need to take advantage of the opportunities when they present themselves, and you don't need to wait for a perfect time. There might never be a perfect time, and all we have is right now. And just watching him in the lake, it really brought that home to me, and I hope that that's a message that you can take from this. It also made me wonder about what we really stress about in life. You know, the things that we think are very important, that we've got to pay this bill, or we've got to go do this event, or we don't want to do it, but we feel obligated. All of those emotions that can go on about things that in the end don't really matter. And you know what really matters because when when things go down south, it's the things you focus on. In an emergency, it's where your first thoughts go to. And those are those are the important things. I think really easily, it's too easy in our society now that those things get pushed beside by the unimportant but urgent items. And we probably need to spend more time thinking about the important but not urgent items. And that's spending time with the people that matter to you and sharing time with those that you love and letting them know that you love them. As a side note, later that evening, I was working in my office speaking to a client on the phone and the dog started barking, making a commotion. And I heard my wife speaking outside and I was wondering who she was talking to. So once I got off the phone, I went out into the house towards the porch and my wife was walking back in. I saw a car backing up and I asked her who that was. And she said it was the news and that they were stopping to see if they could use our shore frontage to film a piece for the news this evening. And they only had about 15 minutes, so they were hoping they could do that. And I asked, was it about the the body that was found on the lake? And she said, yes. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's a weird coincidence. She said they didn't know. Or as it was, my wife said, and my husband was in the boat with the game wardens. Do you want to interview him? And of course they wanted to. And I was like, why did you mention that? They had no idea that they were coming to the house of someone who had been a very first person observer of this whole thing. They were just uh, looking to film on our front, our shore frontage. And my wife volunteered that. So they were appreciative. It was kind of one of those weird random things. They couldn't believe their luck. I had taken some footage. And if you follow the Herd of Turtles on Instagram, you would have seen that uh, posted on the Instagram page. So I ended up being interviewed for the local news. And uh, as my wife and kids said, I came off better than average. I didn't look like that big of a fool. And so from your um, early teenage age kids, uh, I think that's a success. But it was just a, a weird, funny coincidence about a very sad event. So in contrast to the sadness of this first event about a man losing his life, this past weekend we just spent the weekend in southern Vermont for the internment for my 91-year-old grandmother. She actually passed away at the end of October, and she was cremated. But this was the family event where we were going to put her ashes in the ground next to my grandfather's ashes and have a small family-based ceremony for her. 
And it just took eight months to plan a time when all the family from basically the eastern half of the country could all be there and uh, give remembrance to my grandmother. And it was quite, it was a different experience for the end of the life compared to what happened with the boat. Uh, My grandmother had a very good life. My grandmother was the epitome of love and understanding. To be in her presence, you knew that you were loved. She accepted people as they are and not as she thought they should be. And she had a very good way to help steer you towards being a better version of yourself. She was loved by anybody who came in contact with her. She was knowledgeable. She was funny. And just at the end of the day, she was love. Having said that, she was 91 years old. My grandfather had passed away uh, 22 years prior to that, and she was ready to go. She felt that she had had a great life. She was ready for it, and it was time for it to end. She suffered a stroke several months before, about two months before she actually passed away, and it it quickly began to take a big effect on her. But in the immediate aftermath of the stroke, she was still that loving person. She couldn't communicate clearly, but she you still knew that she was emoting love. And it was funny, I took my sons there. We happened to be in Vermont when the weekend this happened, so I took them down there. And even though she couldn't really speak clearly, she was still trying to communicate to my sons that it was okay, that she couldn't speak, that this event happened, but that it was all right, and that she loved them still. And it it was very hard to see, but that was very much my grandmother, or my nana, as we called her. She was ready to go, and quickly the the ravages of the stroke took their effect, and luckily it was only about six weeks that she was more or less incapacitated by the stroke, and she uh, went peacefully in her sleep, and it was what, what she wanted to have happen, and why it's incredibly sad to have her gone, there's not this feeling of unattended to affairs. Everything about this whole process had been talked about. We talked about her passing, not in a morbid sense, but just what she would like, how she would like things handled for years. And so everything was organized. Her financial affairs were in order. Everybody knew exactly how things should be addressed. Uh, There was no question as, as to how things should get divvied up between my mother and her three brothers or how she wanted to be treated, how she wanted her remains to be handled. And it was a really good lesson in how to be prepared for that situation because it's all coming for us. But it wasn't a surprise. Like I said, there was sadness, but there was just a process that needed to go through. And even though she had been gone a while, there were a lot of tears, tears of sadness that she wasn't there, but also tears of joy that we got chance to spend time with her when we finally put her ashes in the ground. And I think her legacy will live on, but it's, it's in, as I said, it's just in sharp contrast to the experience that I'd had just a week prior to that with this gentleman who didn't know the end was coming. And I hope his affairs were in as good of order and that he didn't have the loose ends there. But 
chances are he probably did. But my grandmother was able to kind of not quite go out on her own terms, but as close as you can get, I guess, when you're 90 plus years old. So uh, I would much rather go that way. And I urge all of you that if you haven't given it some thought, for those who are left behind, please do. Even regardless at any age, and you can always change your mind and modify things, but have those conversations with your loved ones, not just about what to do in the physical sense, but have those emotional conversations with your loved ones so that they know their love. They get to say the things to you. If you show them vulnerability, most likely they'll show vulnerability back to you. And you can really talk about the honest things in life. So there you have it. That was today's show about uh, life and death. And I think the importance of living a good life and trying to make sure that you don't have loose ends. It's Those two events really hit it home, and I've been thinking a lot about it, and I thought the best way to um, help uh, process that and share that is to put it on this podcast so that maybe it might get you to um, have some conversation with your loved ones or at least think about it and begin to be prepared to have those conversations when the time is right for you. But I I just recommend don't wait. Say the things that matter to those who matter to you. Let them say the important things back to you. And make sure that even if you aren't looking for the end, that things are prepared. People know what's going on. It really helps and takes a lot of the stress out of the situation. Everyone's going to be sad regardless. But if you can do stuff to help alleviate that stress, it's it's appreciated by those who are here to help deal with the, the broken pieces after you're gone. So there you have it. Just a short episode with just me today. I am working on several more interviews and I look forward to bringing those to you here over the next several weeks. If you have any recommendations or anybody that you would like for me to interview or any subject matters you'd like for me to find someone to interview them on, by all means, please let me know. You can email me at brent at com, or you can go on Facebook and send me a message through the Herd of Turtles show business page. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss a future episode. Time will take you and fade you run come out of the water and I will fake it till I make it pockets